Welcome back at long last to the You May Be Right podcast with JB and Pauly D. Between technical problems, just life happening, uh, Pauly D., we are back where we belong here at the QED in Astoria. I mean, JB, it feels good to be here uh, and feels good to be seen and heard. So much has happened since we last recorded a show. It's been a while. Yeah, um, so is. first off, the uh, <laughs> Red Sox eliminated from the AL East Basically. discussion uh, earlier this week. Yes, that happened and, and, ba- and all but eliminated from the from for. Uh, for playoff contention. But in happier news on your end, the uh, the Patriots destroyed the Steelers in week one. You know, JB, they look good. They uh, do. I, you know, they really I, do. I had, some, I had some misgivings about a 42-year-old Tom Brady being able to come out and throw peas all over the field, and that was, uh, those fears were, let us just say, quickly allayed. Um, he still is 42. I, I, I have to expect some sort of if not wall, some sort of deterioration and, you know, and, and, and arm strength as, as the season goes on. It's a long NFL season. And again, he's 42 years old. I mean, he still made some great throws yeah, that's though. What, that's exactly what I, that was my chief concern. You know, he has a, he had a good wide receiver core going in, you know, he had a great backfield going in, but you know, could he get the ball to them in a consistent fashion? And he, and he more than did the job, um, you know, over 300 yards, three TDs, uh, and they and they just pasted the Steelers at, at Foxborough. It was it was just a great as as good a start to a season as I'd hoped they'd get. Uh, my Ravens did a great job too against uh, <laughs> the Dolphins. Yes, yeah, and yeah that that loss was so bad. I don't know if you heard this. According to Mike Florio from uh, Pro Football Talk on NBC. Apparently, some Dolphins players after that game called their agents and asked to be traded. I did hear that, actually, and, and they were citing fears of tanking. Yeah. And they said, this team's not serious about winning and we want out. And from that, let me the, the opening line on New England and Miami, excuse me, going into next week was the opening line was 16. New England was given 16. It moved all the way up to 19 before, I think, settling. And I think for good at about 18 and a half, at 18 and a half. Um, you know... Everyone's expecting a blowout next week. Maybe they get it, maybe they don't. You know, Bill Belichick, I was hearing, does have a history of not taking it to his ex-assistants too hard. But, you know, we'll see what Tom Brady wants to do. Either way, it's a great way to start the season. Yeah, I can't complain. Um, and, you know, and, and theoretically, our team should only get better from here, given that, you know, we signed one of the premier wide receivers in the game. But, JB, I'm not sure he's ever going to suit up. What do you think? I think that it is a hot mess. I think a, a Antonio, the whole Antonio Brown de- debacle is a hot mess. That's the best. That is the best. One of the best ways to describe it. It's just a mess at this point. It is a mess because you've known for years he's a vol- he's a volatile guy. Right. He pretty much forced his way out of the Raiders right. uh, without even playing a down for them, both in training camp or the preseason, regular season, what have you. Hey, but no harm, no foul. They don't have to pay him. They don't have to pay him, but for the uh, the Patriots to swoop in and then for these allegations against him to then become public, it, it's not a good look. The, the optics of it are very bad, especially, this isn't related at all, but Bob Kraft pretty much got caught going to a special massage parlor in the offseason. And even though he was clear of the charges, that plus AB, plus the ongoing scrutiny around deflate gate, spy gate, and and rumors of tampering with with AB. Deflate gate and spy gate, I think, are dead and gone by now. Yeah, but the the stench always remains, is my point. I mean, not for New England fans. I think for for bitter non-New England fans, that's the case. You're going to defend Belichick to the death on this, aren't you? You know, what I am going to say is that um, the Patriots were—I think the Patriots were completely blindsided by the case that just dropped. And if you're just—and if you're just um, crawling out from under a rock, um, Antonio Brown's been sued in the Southern District of Florida for—I don't know the exact nature of the claims, but it's sexual assault. Yes. Um, and so there, he's being sued for a very realistic number at seventy-five thousand. That's not. Doesn't even, what does that mean? Well, it doesn't exactly speak to somebody who's looking to get rich off of a lawsuit. It's looking for it's, it's, it sounds like it looks like somebody optically who's 
been wronged and they want to be compensated and they want to yeah it's a it's a it's his former trainer right um and you know that's that's it's not a good look and i think the patriots were just as blindsided by it as the rest of the league yeah sorry i got it my head is sweating i took the hat off i mean we've so, got technical difficulties we had technical difficulties last time we're having a little a couple these are physical difficulties my head's sweating too much a couple sweat sweat tickle real quick before we, before before we spill some tea can i tell you can i tell you how the the idiot barbara i had to deal with yesterday oh what happened okay so, i think your hair looks great by the way oh my god wait, wait till you hear the story of how it looks like this now now you know me i usually keep my hair at a short buzz right. but being a new york jew it grows out in this weird kind of straight afro monstrosity right right wavy straight yeah yeah it's, it's a blessing and a curse my wife loves playing with playing with it when it's long you got a great head of hair though i mean there's not a sign of thinning yeah <laughs> for now right Anyway, so there's two barber shops near near my apartment. I, now I live, for, ladies and gentlemen, for those who know New York geography, I live in Harlem, and uh, all the way west. Uh, yeah, yeah. My my uh, my building is on Broadway, um, but on 125th and Amsterdam, there's a barber shop that I went to before I went on vacation, where the guy did a really good job. Now the the one drawback to this place is that it's cash only. Oh. There's an ATM there. I think there's like a 250 fee right. or whatever. So I said, okay, there's this other barber shop. In the same area, two blocks south of me, that takes cards, I'm going to go there. Okay. For the sake of convenience. Right. Were you just cash light at the time? Or did you just say, you know what, I'm not I'm not dealing with these cash only guys? Uh, I just didn't want to deal with the cash only thing. I, I, I was being like, it was me going, eh, I don't want to go to the ATM. Nah, right. nah, nah, nah. It's an extra stop you got to yeah. make. And the whole, it's a whole thing. Yeah. So I go to the spot. Now, every other barbershop I've gone to, I've said, hey, can I get a short buzz? Everyone understands what I'm talking about. Right. This and what does that mean to you? A, a short buzz. buzz for me means I say, "Hey, can I get a short buzz? Great. Do you want us to use a three or a four when we go to, when we use uh, the Clippers? Use a three. Great. Okay, so it's the same. It's it's right an now. you're a lawyer. It's an open and shut case. It's not high and tight. Absolutely not. Okay. Yeah. So so it, the first thing this guy does, he he gets the Clippers and goes around the side of my head, and then he gets he gets moose, puts way too much of it in my hair, and then gives me a blowout. And then from there, just shaves the blowout down progressively to the point where it looks like a complete and utter monstrosity. I have no idea what's gonna, what I'm going to do. I'm thinking, oh, God. I'm, and I say, no, dude, I asked for a short buzz. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then at the end, he's like, okay, we're done. I'm like, dude, can you make it a little shorter? No, no, it's, it's not going to look good. I'm telling you, make it shorter. No, I can't. Like, I'm not going to do it. So I barely tip the guy. So wait, so you want, you want what in his, I think his problem is you want what in his eyes is a lousy haircut. Prop, sure. Right. He thinks it's a lousy haircut and he doesn't want to give you, I mean, he's a good barber. He's an honest man. He's duly licensed by the state of New York. Yeah, but customer's always right. Right. Well, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, so, from his perspective. So then I, I, I'm i at home. I'm complaining about it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to get shave my head entirely now. Fortunately, uh, a friend who's been staying with us let me use his clippers. That's great. So I was able to trim it down a little bit. I, I should have taken a picture because what I had before this was not good. It was. What did it look like? I looked like a Jersey Shore reject. Wow. Uh, yeah, it would it, it would be it was one of those cases where unle- for the duration of that haircut, unless I put gel in it every day, I was going to look, look like an a hole. Right, right, right. Anyway, you move- just wanted a low maintenance haircut. Yeah, and, and that's it. You couldn't even get that. Yeah, you well, to go to the cash only place. Yeah, now I know. Now I know. Hey, like it's worth the the minor inconvenience. It's a yeah. As a bald man, I haven't cut my hair outside of my home in six years. Think of all the money you're saving, it's though. A, it's amazing. It is, <laughs> that, that part of it is amazing. And I had bought shampoo. Because a good set of clippers, it's it's what, like 100 bucks? If right. that? Yeah. Right. And that's it. There you I, go. I've been using them for years. Moving on. So, uh, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we got a lot to get to today on You May Be Right. Uh, we got to talk some Yankees. But first, we got to talk the Red Sox. Oh, this is a sec- new segment of the show, <laughs> which I am hereby dubbing JB and Paulie D Spill the Tea. <laughs> So, Paulie D, why don't you explain uh, to our lovely view, uh, listeners uh, what happened the past couple of days? The past, well, the I mean, immediately the, the, in the past couple of days um, on Sunday night. Yes, Sunday it, night. It was the uh, Sunday night the Yankees beat the Red Sox ten to five at Fenway. Yep, on ESPN, and, the Sunday night game. And so, and that's Sunday night baseball. And at that point, the the Red Sox had dropped uh, two out of three to the Yankees at Fenway. They would go on to lose... Three out of four on Monday. They would go on to lose the fourth on Monday. Uh, after that loss, Dombrowski, Dave Dombrowski, DD, the man who, who could have had a dynasty in Boston, uh, was unceremoniously fired. 
And what do you think about that? You know, I like it. And I'll tell you why I like it. I like it because, as I said, the guy had a chance to build a dynasty and he didn't do it. And what I mean by that is he allowed himself to get kind of painted into a corner by past contracts he had he he'd done. Yeah. Right? So you have David Price is the first and biggest one. Yep. They outbid the Cardinals by... Was it the Cardinals, really? I think it was the Cardinals. They wow. Out, they outbid them by... By almost $40 million. I think, no, by 85, 95. Yeah, by $42 million. At that point, in offering him what they offered, they were basically bidding against themselves. They, it, 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 it was an outsized contract that didn't need to be as outsized as it was. Be that as it may, though, the Red Sox are a, are a fairly wealthy baseball team, and they could weather one bad contract. Okay, and then you got the Nathan Eovaldi deal, which I actually liked. I, th- I thought it was a feel-good signing at the time, and for me it still is a feel-good signing. There's a lot to be said about a guy who doesn't care if he's in the bullpen or in the rotation, even though he says he prefers the rotation. There's a lot about a guy who would actually, in, in the World Series, go out there and risk his career for the team for which he's playing. The that, guy threw a whole game out of the bullpen. It says a lot about a guy. Yeah. And you sign a guy like that. I don't know if you needed to sign him for the money you signed him for. Uh, but I think the nail, I think the proverbial nail in the coffin was um, was both Sale and the lack of Kimbrel this year. So we extend Sale, I think. I forget Sale's extension. Chris Sale, uh, it was... Like, uh, five years and $230 million? Uh, no, it was uh, south of two hundred million. Uh, five years, one hundred forty-five. Five years, one hundred forty-five. Right. Despite so, dealing with shoulder trouble at the end of last season. Right. So right. So that that's the issue. It's close to thirty million dollars a year, even though it's you know it tapers off at the end of the it tapers off at the towards the end of the deal. That's a huge commitment for a guy who, quite frankly, given his performance this year, isn't a sure thing to make it through the five years at this yeah. point. Pitchers are risky. And the last thing was, you know, he gave an outsized contract to Kimbrell to come here and then turns around after he wins the, after they win the World Series. And, yes, Kimbrell wasn't great in the playoffs last year but or down the stretch, really, in September. But he was tipping pitches. He realized he was tipping pitches, and he did get better after he found out he was tipping pitches. Either way, you go into this season, and you're kind of painted against a corner. You're coming up against the the second luxury tax threshold, which is a serious penalty um, if you go over it. On the, on the money that you spend. The ownership says we don't want to keep spending, you know, we don't want to keep overspending, we don't want to keep paying the luxury tax, and we sure as heck don't want to pay the second luxury tax. So, you know, he kind of, ple- Dave Dombrowski, the man with a $235 million payroll, pulls his pockets out of his pants and pleads poverty, when, and he lets the team go into the season without a closer, with a bunch of question marks in the bullpen, in which, quite frankly, with, the, with no guy, who had ever proven that they could consistently, except for maybe Barnes, who can, who could consistently handle the type of high leverage situations that would normally be required by a closer? So they tried to do a closer by committee with nobody there that was honestly that was in my mind really qualified to do so. And of course, I mean they've blown more than 20, 25 saves this year, and that's and that's the and that's the difference this year, JP. Uh, the A's I think have the most because last I checked they had twenty six. It's it, it's over twenty. Yeah, it was over twenty a bit ago, but but that's the difference there for this team. It, it, it has been the difference for them because you extend you extend Xander Bogarts, you and you you might have scared Betts away. You probably didn't scare JD Martinez away because he's going to opt in because at age thirty one, who's going to pay this guy twenty five million dollars a year? Well, we'll get to that in a second. Now, right. but but let but let on, but on Dombr- just I'm sorry, just to finish up. No, 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 no you're fine, you're fine. Go ahead. On Dombrowski, I think. The fact that he painted himself into a corner this year showed absolutely no ingenuity in trying to get out of the corner into which he painted himself. I think ownership rightly felt that they kind of got out of him what they could, which was a title. He built a title-winning team, and that's great. It's just that after that, he just didn't. Re- he just really didn't. He seemed a bit at sea as to how to how to keep the how to keep the team at that high level. And obviously, he he was he was unable. To to field a team this year that that you know that would contend again for a World Series title. There's a lot to digest from this story because there is. yeah because I, I I mentioned this to you before we went on the air. Uh, you know how for as long as we've been doing this show off mic I've been 
I've gotten on Bob Nightingale of USA Today for being two in the tank for Boston. Right. Bob Nightingale wrote an article not long, I think it was the day after Dombrowski got fired. Mm-hmm. Now, Great article. Yeah, it, it was a great article. Now, now, first things first, you and I had a conversation when Dombrowski first got hired by the Sox. I think it was like 2015 towards the end of that season. Yeah. I made it very clear I did not think this, uh, that hiring him was going to work out because of how much he botched the payroll with the Detroit Tigers. Sure. Now, for some context, ladies and gentlemen, for some of our more casual listeners. I was, uh, I think at the time I was, meh, let's see what he does. Yeah. Um, I was very skeptical just because I saw how he clogged the, the Tigers payroll with so many bad contracts. There was Verlander's contract, which thankfully the, the Tigers could unload. Uh, Miguel Cabrera, they're still paying for him and will be for a good long time as he... Is he a Manny Ramirez type of contract? It's worse than a Mayor. It, oh, it, is, he a, is he a Bobby Bonilla type of contract? It's an A-Rod type of contract. Because, let me put it this way. Uh, Miguel Cabrera, we're pulling up Spotrack right now. Um, he signed a lengthy extension with the Tigers, uh, eight years, $248 million, several years ago. I think it kicked in around 2013, 2014. Probably after he won his Triple Crown. Cabrera is 36 years old. He's made making $30 million this year. He is owed 30, 60. He's owed over $100 million in guaranteed money over the next four years starting next year. Yeah, so he, they, he's pay, he paid him out like a player in his prime until he was 40. Yeah, and for 2024 and 2025, there are two uh, two exclusive mutual options were valued at $30 million apiece. Right. Um, I and, just feel like ownership wanted somebody to come and play hardball with our guys. Well, that that's the thing. As much as I would like to blame Dave Dombrowski for being un- being fired after winning a World Series, I have to take his side on this. Right. Because first off, I think that regardless of how you are at your job, if you, under your watch... If you win a World Series, that buys you a certain amount of equity. Yeah, I know. I, a lot of people think that way. A lot of people think that way about managers. Now, now reading this piece by Nightingale, first off, Red Sox ownership, they fired Dombrowski in the second inning of the Sunday night game. Yeah. They fired him in the second inning, made the announcement at midnight, and then the next day, who throws out the first pitch at Fenway? David Ortiz, fresh off recovery. There you go. And now, reading this piece, it's very clear Dombrowski was not blameless in all this. He was only talking to a few guys. He had virtually no working relationship with the Red Sox analytics staff. And on top of that, that all aside, it's very clear that amongst Red Sox ownership, I'm talking John Henry, Larry Lucchino. Is he still with the team, Larry Lucchino? Larry Lucchino, yeah. yeah, I, uh, I thought he was the team president. Yeah, either way. Ownership is not talking to each other. Because they can't, they can't stay on message. They said, oh, like, with Theo Epstein, they kind of didn't hold Terry Francona accountable no matter how much, no, how much he said. No matter, no matter how much Theo Epstein said, hey, there's a problem in the locker room. This is a fried chicken gate in video games, like the Popeye's issue. Terry Francona goes and so does Theo Epstein because he's so miserable. Ben Sherrington, he's, he's aggressive with some contracts, namely Pablo Sandoval. And then after he gets burned by those, he kind of takes a more conservative approach. No, sorry. By the way, I'm an idiot. Luke, yeah. Lucino stepped down in 2015. That's, All right. I'm an idiot. Well, that's on me too because I should have known that. Right. Anyway, it's very <laughs> clear that, that the Red Sox owners do not know how to stay on message. Now, thankfully, per Nightingale, they've now committed, you know what, we have to cut payroll. If, if J.D. Martinez opts out, they're going to let him walk. Um, they're going to try to unload some other guys. Mookie Betts, they're not going to pursue him heavily, it sounds like. This is the exact, uh, the exact wording from uh, Nightingale's article. There is word now from Red Sox executives that they are changing direction, plan to cut payroll, let all-star slugger J.D. Martinez leave if he opts out of his contract, even let reigning MVP Mookie Betts walk away as a free agent if they don't trade him first, and they didn't believe Dave Dombrowski was capable of pulling any of those things off. Uh I, I don't know what they mean. I don't know what they mean by pulling those things off. I think they did, they didn't trust Dombrowski to be able to cut payroll properly. I mean, <laughs> but, and no, I, I think Dave Dombrowski is a guy who likes to sign people. Um, no, but that's just, I mean, that's disturbing to me to hear that they're going to let Betts walk, that they're probably, that they that they would let J.D. Martinez walk if he opted out. Again, I think he opts in. I, I think that's a... I, I, I don't. I don't think he's going to opt in because he is one of Dombrowski's guys because they knew each other in Detroit. I think that 
Who's going to pay him $25 million a year at age 31 for, for four or five years? Well, a lot of this also depends because, you know, the National League, they're going to be adopting the uh, the DH role in the next few years. Right. Maybe that happens next year. I don't know because because um, we're not going to know that until after the owners' meetings it's a, this winter. It's a strong average value for his, you know, it's a strong yearly value for his contract for the next couple of years if he opts in. And, you know, where else, my question is... We, we saw the free agent freeze out this year, yes. especially with players on the unhappy side of 30. You know, does his agent let him leave that money on the table in, in, in the hopes in the hopes of a bigger payday somewhere? Now, if anyone's going to get a bigger payday somewhere, and if anyone could get four or five years at $25, $30 million a year, it is probably J.D. Martinez. Well, yeah, because he's still having a very good year. No, he's having a great year. And, yeah. and last year, quite frankly, that he, you know, <laughs> that he didn't get higher in the MVP voting it was a travesty, but the the be that as it may, he, you know he's done he's done really good work while he's been with the Red Sox. I ju- I'm just not sure if he's, you know the the last couple of years of his contract aren't, you know, it's not, it's not chump change. It's a it's a yeah it's a good amount of money. You yeah, know, and that and and if he's interested at all in staying in Boston, he opts in. As far as bets goes, it's a little disturbing to me that they don't want to that they don't want to go after him, uh, and that they're going to let him walk. Because if they let him walk, if you're committed to letting him walk, you you just should trade him instead. Well, I had the chance. I didn't mean Mookie Betts at the uh, baseball awards dinner uh, last January. I did get a chance to speak to some of his family, though. Like it's very clear above all else, Mookie Betts is a smart guy. Yeah. And I think that regardless of how he feels about playing on the Red Sox, and in, and I've heard this on Yankees broadcast on the Michael K show, Mookie Betts has made it pretty clear as much as he likes playing in Boston, he wants to test the open market. Yeah. So you could try and trade him rather than lose him for nothing or maybe just get a draft pick. He, I th- want, he wants Mike Trout money, though. And he's not going to get it. He's not gonna he will not get Mike Trout money. No. He, he might, shouldn't. And he shouldn't. No. But he should get it. He should get it. I mean, he, the guy, the guy should get an eight or eight year contract somewhere. That's I what, mean, that's, that's what he should get. That's a convers. That's not. That's another conversation entirely. But right now, real quick, while we're staying on this, staying on the story, what really didn't sit well with me, and this is why I'm on Team Dombrowski. This is this is right from uh, from Nightingale's article as well. It could all be cleared up nice and tidy if the Red Sox ownership would simply talk, answer the questions the best they can without destroying a man's legacy, and be done with it once and for all. Oh, ju- not destroying ju- anybody's legacy. That, that wording is a little strong. I will admit that. But pretty much all they, have, all they have to do is come out and say, hey, it didn't work out with Dombrowski for reasons X, Y, Z. We're moving on. And But they didn't do that. They made Alex Cora answer for it. Right. Uh, instead, they leave the dirty work to manager Alex Cora. Unfair or fair, I don't know, Cord told reporters when asked why he should have the responsibility of speaking for the entire organization. The team already sent a statement. They wanted us to make sure we appreciate what Dave did as an organization. I know that for some people, it's probably not enough. For others, maybe it is. I don't think they have to go into details. The organization just decided it was time to move on. So they're making Cora pretty much toe the company line. Right. Why would you make your manager answer for that? It's not making him answer for that. It's it's that somebody's got to sit there and do the press conference, and none of the ownership group wanted to, wanted to do it. They're, then they're, shame on them. I, I I would agree there, but but John Henry has has ever been uh, more of a more of a behind the scenes sort of owner. You know, he's not been he's not been in the back in back pages. He's not been in in the media. You know, he's. He's made, you know, he's he has made. Of course, he's made statements to the media, but he's no George Steinbrenner. You know what I mean? He's not that type of owner. He's not a Jerry Jones. He's not. He's not that kind of guy. And so, you know, somebody look. They they gave a statement, and to the extent that anyone has questions about it, they sent some guy up to answer them. I mean, I think it's a little dumb that it was Alex Cora. I yeah, thought, I thought I thought it should be maybe sh- there there should be a representative from the executive there. Yeah, just to, just to say, all right, here's basically what went on. They wanted to go in a different direction. They didn't think they either didn't think it sounds like to me that they didn't think Dombrowski would be on board with the new direction they wanted to take, which was but, to, which but was what's to cat- which was to catapult the team into a into a, a mini, if not a full rebuild. They, they, Dave Dombrowski seemed to want to try to keep playing this hand for as long as he could and get as many titles out of it as he could. And I'm, I'm kind of, on that, I'm kind of with him. But 
to the extent that the ownership had made the decision to get rid of Dombrowski, I don't think it matters when they did it. And the sooner you do it, the better, because at least you could begin your search. The, the team's not making the playoffs. Even if they even if they do, they're likely out in the first round. You know, they, yeah. they'd likely be out in the wild card game. I don't think this team has the has the wherewithal to compete at that level this year. The point is, my only point is, you made the decision to get rid of them. Just execute the decision. The end of the season is what it is, and rebuild for next. You know, and re you know reload for next year. I think that the Red Sox also need to do a full teardown at this point. You need no, no, no. no. You, 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 you got too many bad contracts. You, you extended Bogarts. You got to decide. Okay, Bogarts, I think is a good contract. Yeah, oh no, no, no. That, that's a great contract. I'm not. I'm not disputing that at all. That was a great move on Dombrowski's and part. Eovaldi is the Eovaldi contract isn't large enough to be a bad contract and David Price's contract is almost over. So there's a lot there's a lot of things you can do. Price's contract isn't almost over. Yeah, you know another couple of years. David Price per spo track. It's like 2022. 20, you got like 3 years left on it, right? Uh you're right. After after this year it's, it's only 3 years. Okay. But a third, but a 32 million a year. And that's a lot, but you know what? If you you know you can do you know, you could do a one-year teardown like they did, you know, when they rolled up Carl Crawford, Adrian Gonzalez, and, and whoever else they rolled up and shipped them off to L.A. You could probably get that done with some of the bad contracts on your roster. I mean, the good news is one particularly bad contract, Rick, Rick Porcello, and I, I shouldn't say bad contract because he did win a Cy Young for you guys. That's, right, and, and, and he was a, he was a, a certified horse in the, in, the, in the postseason last year, out of the bullpen, from, um, you know, in the you know, as a starter out of the bullpen, whatever they asked of him, that he did it, and he and he did well, and he's one of the reasons, and he's a major reason why they even won a title last year. Uh, Cora doesn't get through those playoffs without his starters doing whatever he asked of them, and you know what? He rang the bell, and they all answered. So you could say what you want about David Price and Rick Porcello, and maybe their contracts are a little bit ridiculous. Yeah. But when when they were asked to do it and when they were asked to stand up and compete to the best of their ability and leave it all on the field, they did so. That aside, though, <laughs> you, you got Bogarts locked up. Mookie Betts, in his second year of arbitration, is making $20 million a year this season. Right. He has one year of arbitration left, and that number is only going to go up. Right. No, you, it's going to go down. It has to go down. It will not go down. It has to go down. He, look at his year this year. He, he got paid 22. They settled for $22 million after an MVP caliber season in which he won the MVP. Right. He's, he's had, it's not been far off his MVP campaign, but it has been significantly off his MVP campaign. One, You've got to settle for less. One way or another, even if he does settle for less, you got to decide, are you going to extend bets? Benintendi, Rafael Devers is still under team control. He's he's got a ways to go. Devers has a ways to go. He's only I think he just turned twenty three this year. Either way, the new regime has a lot of big decisions to make. I think the and I think at this point, given how baseball is right now, you need to utilize your minor league system, and that means the Red Sox they have to tank and just accumulate draft picks. I what I what I also think, I I, I don't think they have to tank. But what I think they can do is I think they can get rid of some of the larger contract. I think they can get rid of I, I think they can. If they allow J.D. Martinez to walk and they don't compete for that, I mean, it's a huge hole in their lineup. Um, but I think at this point you can rebuild this team around Devers and Bogerts. You can, you can rebuild that lineup around those two. Bogerts isn't as good as Betts, but you keep Benintendi around. You know, and there, and there you go. You, you've got a, you've got a good, solid three in that lineup, and and you hope that Devers does what he signaled that he might do this year, which was blossom into a, into just a certified MVP candidate every year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think at the same time, you've got to have a talk with Ben and and say, hey, we like you a lot too. Right. Just because a left-handed hitter in that ballpark, you, oh, you've yeah, got to, you got to invest in that. I, he loves going the other way. Yeah. He loves, he loves dinging that wall. Dewey Evans, like you said earlier in the season. He's just, I just, you know, I, Ben Intendi's, I mean, I'm Italian-American, so Ben Intendi's one of my favorite players <laughs> on the Red Sox. Um, although I, I love, I've, I've loved watching Rafael Devers just get better and better and better. He's so young and him and Bogarts have, uh, have a, have, it's and it's so clear if you watch the games they have such a great relationship. Uh, I think, like I said, I think you can rebuild around around those guys even if some of the lo- even if some of the louder bats have to walk. But you know, look, 
I respect that. This year they've had, you know, how many how many wins did they have? 76, 77, something around there? Uh, the Red Sox have. And by the way, folks, uh, while uh, right before we got uh, to recording, I got a notification. The Yankees and Tigers are rained out tonight on Wednesday. Uh, doubleheader tomorrow. So we will not be providing any scoring updates, and that's why we haven't done it so far. Uh, the Red Sox, they have, and this is the last thing we'll say on them real quick. Yeah. Uh, the Red Sox have 76 wins to 69 losses yeah, this 70, year. So 76 wins, 70, 76 and 69, but, but their offense is still top ranked. Yes. Even if they lose a bat or two, they're still going to be okay. Would you like to uh, take a minute to give a requiem for the Red Sox uh, 2019 season? You know, it, it, it was the kind of year where it felt like the Red Sox were always just a run away, you know, of both both in game and and in the schedule I run a, a 15 and 2 a 16 and 2 a 7 and 2 17 and 2 run away from getting back into into contention taking control of the division taking control of the wild card race but this team could just never get there and I think this team from the get go was fatally flawed I don't think the bullpen was ever was constructed in such a way as to as to guarantee long term long term success this year. I think I've tortured you with this song enough, right? And I think, hang on, and I think, yeah, and I think, you know, and I and, and I think it's and I and I think we're already all New England fans are ready to go switch the channel over to the Patriots and Celtics and and allow this this season, this Red Sox season, this 2019 Boston Red Sox season to go by the wayside, guys. You. you it's obvious you left it all on the field, but uh, you just couldn't do it in the end. It's sad. And before we get to the Yankee talk, I will just say, Red Sox season, you may rest in peace. Oh. Yeah, that's been, it's been rough. Anyway. <laughs> they, there's like a couple runs they almost had. They I, I, I thought you, I, you know what, um, that the last family series when you guys shellacked us for the first three out of four games, right. I thought that was the start of a turnaround of some kind. I thought it was too until they lost the last game of Fenway. Yeah, well, moving on. What are you going to do? All right, but now shifting to uh, some uh, some happier times. The Yankees, Paulie D, are knocking on the playoff door. The magic number stands at nine. Looking good and getting stronger as they go in. Yeah, uh, Luis Severino is uh, about to wrap up his rehab with uh, Double-A Trenton. Dylan Batantis isn't far behind. Um, in sadder news, Aaron Hicks is not going to be back for the playoffs. That's uh, that Because since our last show, he developed uh, flexor strain in his elbow. Uh, the pain has not subsided. Surgery is not off the table. Yikes. They're shutting him down for another few weeks. And this is the guy the Yankees extended for $70 million at the start of spring training. Yeah, but you know what? That's a bargain. Yeah. Him, um, for- yes. And because that extension was going to come regardless. Um, this has just been a rough year for injuries. Like, uh, you you got to chuck it up to bad luck. Maybe there's something in the workouts. Aaron Hicks is a workout warrior himself. But I digress. And Giancarlo Stanton, he's... He's getting ready to come back, too. I mean, his, his knee is finally feeling good. It's been a lost season for him. We shall see. But I'm, I'm, I am keen to see him get some playoff action. Yes, but the real question is, Paul E.D., how are the Yankees going to do in the playoffs? Now, you had some opinions on this earlier, so why don't you give us a um, give us what you think, uh, where, where the picture stands as of now. I mean, look, if you talk to me in early August, I would say that the Yankees were probably going to leave in the first or after the wild, you know, in the first or second round. Uh, I didn't think that the Yankees really had a reasonable shot at making the World Series, and it, the reason was, the, excuse me, the reason was they're starting pitching. I didn't think they had enough arms, um, you know, in in the starting in the starting pitching role. I did, Paxton wasn't doing very well. Severino was out. Tanaka was getting knocked around, but. You know, as the as you know, August gave way to September, and as September gives way to October, a lot of these guys, a lot of the guys that they that they thought were going to be really, really strong coming into the season, who you know may have disappointed, you know, midway through, or may have run into some speed bumps, have kind of rounded into form. J.A. Happ has looked good in his past couple of outings. Uh, Paxton's looked pretty good. Uh, Paxton's looked really good, actually. Um, pa- uh, Lindsay Adler from the Athletics she posted a great piece as to just what's been going on with Paxton, and sure enough, it's it touched on something I wrote in an article about him when he was going through his rough stretch. I said, looking at Fangraphs, he's not throwing his curveball anymore, right? He, or he, he's dipped his curveball. He used like use the curveball because fastball velocity, yeah, okay, fine. 
the cutter, it's a good pitch, but it's still part of the fastball family. Do you think it was mechanical? There was a mechanical reason why he was not that not to say that hey he couldn't throw the curveball, but why he wasn't using it. I'm very glad you asked that question because per uh, Lindsey Adler's piece, because uh, you know how I think it was in May. Paxton was dealing with a knee issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did say that it took a while, that even when he came back, his knee wasn't quite 100%. But then over this, this seven start stretch where he's undefeated with a sub three ERA. No, he's looked great. Yeah. He's, uh, he's looked like the fire breathing big maple that they that they thought might go out there and win 20 games. Because he's throwing his curveball more. Because right. the curveball, because they talked about it in the, in the athletic. The curveball, it looks his curveball looks like a fastball coming out, but then it dinks down last minute and it throws off hitters' timing, sure. and you can see it. The guy made mince meat out of the Los Angeles Dodgers lineup at Dodger Stadium. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, and he did look. He shut the Red Sox right down. Yeah, I mean the Red Sox are going the way of the dodo this year, but you know their offense isn't a slouch. And not only that, Paxton, he's looking better. He's looking like. The, the pitcher who was advertised after the Yankees traded Justice Sheffield for him. Right. So, But was there a mechanical reason why he wasn't throwing that curveball? They, they didn't go into too much detail with like what the mechanical reason was, but he but uh, Paxton did touch on how he and uh, Yankees pitching coach Larry Rothschild were working on different exercises for his legs, specifically. Right. And I think that he's getting a lot uh, better drive on his fastball. Uh, there's a lot more swings and misses right now. Yeah. The hitters just don't know what to expect because he's, be, he's been able to mix up his artillery yeah. in such a way yeah the trunk to a guy like Paxton is so so important mm-hmm. you know and it's and that's what I was like oh a knee injury that might be that might be rough for him because if, if it's gonna affect his drop and drive is it's gonna affect all, all sorts of things in his game. well his fastball velocity was always there around maybe like 95 96 which is about average for his career yeah uh, he can dial it up to 97 98 but he's been doing that a lot more often now because I think he is fully healthy but it was control issues he was wild in the strike zone his walks were up a little bit yeah when he was his walks were up but when he was getting knocked around, he wasn't getting the he wasn't getting the ball right where he wanted it. it right, seemed, you know. But now he's now he's really doing that. He, he's been great. Um, he has been. And Jay Happ has thrown fifteen and the third consecutive scoreless innings. Right. So Paxton now looks like a guy who could follow uh, Tanaka as your number one starter in the playoffs because I think that's probably how it'll end up working. I think at this point um, they're they're kind of interchangeable. I think I think you want to ride the hot hand for sure. Right. Um, because like a guy who's going to go into a, he who could even go into a road stadium in the playoffs, yeah, and shut the other team down. He looks he looks really good. He does look really good. Um, and Tanaka, he's finally found because th- this new ball is making life hell for some pitchers. Tanaka finally found a grip for a splitter that he likes. That's really helping him out. Um, Jay Happ, uh, he's finally learning how to compensate for some lost velocity. He's throwing a change up a lot more, and that's throwing off hitters' timing as well. Um, he threw six shutout innings against the Oakland A's at Yankee Stadium two what, starts ago. So what are they saying about Severino? I would I would assume that he's cut. Co- yeah, he's coming back, and yeah, he maybe gets some tune ups, but he's probably going to be used outside out of the bullpen during the playoffs. Um, that's not off the table. Severino, he is his velocity has been in the mid nineties. Um, it's good for him. It's yeah, a mid, low average, but yeah. uh, no, he's he's been around maybe like ninety five, ninety six, which okay. is where which is where right where he needs to be uh, at this point. Um. He's generating. He's getting some strikeouts. He's giving. He's scattering hits here and there. But on the whole, he has looked very good in his rehab starts. No, I mean that's great. But like in terms of how he's going to be used, uh, maybe it'll. Maybe they'll use. He's not starting game one of the playoffs for the Yankees. I don't think so at this point. I I think that maybe at this point, gun to my head, if the Yankees needed a three man rotation, they they use it based off matchups. Obviously, I think that you're going to have Tanaka and Paxton or Locks. Right. After that, it gets a little dicey because Domingo Herman has been great, but he doesn't he doesn't pitch as well on the road compared to home. Yeah, CC Sabathia, when he's healthy, he's good, but in, but he's already said I don't mind pitching out of the bullpen in the playoffs. Right. I just want to win. I think it's I think it's Herman is your third, and then your fourth. If you want to do, if you maybe maybe, maybe have Herman go three and then have Sevi go three, or vice right. versa. Right. Or, or you use Chad Green as an opener and then slot one of those guys in. And Chad Green's been great as, as the three opener. scoreless innings on Sunday night against yeah. the Red Sox. I mean, he's, but, you know, and and he got knocked around last year, and especially in the playoffs, he got knocked around a bit. Uh, but it's it's really astounding to see how you know, much like the Red Sox bullpen and the starters last year in the playoffs and in the World Series, how every Yankees pitcher seems to just answer the call and and just excel in whatever role they're asked right. to perform. It's it's just really astounding. So for for where I am now, 
I actually think I'm still not certain that this Yankee team could beat the could beat the Dodgers in seven games. I think the Dodgers are a lock for the World Series. I, I, I think so too. Just because look, looking at the I believe this, yeah. Because looking at the National League, the division leaders up besides the Dodgers are the Braves and the Cardinals. The wild card team, it's probably at this point. What what is the wild card standings? Because I know I know the um the Cubs are like four games out. The Cubs are one of them. Um, wild card in the National League. The top two spots right now are the Nationals and the Cubs, and the Brewers and Phillies aren't aren't that far behind. The Mets are three games out. I mean, the, of the you know look of these. Hang on one second. Let me. Uh... And in the American League, the Rays and the A's are the top two teams, but the Indians are only a half game out of the second spot. So it's anybody's game. Where are you looking at, Paulie Day? No, just the just the NL wild card, just to get it, just to get it and put it in front of my face. Yeah, um, yeah. Of the look of these two teams, really only the Cubs have the offense to be able to slug it out with the Dodgers. That's that's the Dodgers kind of. Um, what do you call it? That's the Dodgers' ace in the hole is the fact that they could slug even with an American League team right now. They couldn't slug with the Yankees. Nah, I mean, that's it, it's not the World Series yet. I get it's not the World Series, Paul, but you, you can't look at the Dodgers-Yankees series and ignore the fact that the Dodgers, for all intents and purposes, got washed. They did. I, I mean, I'm look. I'm looking at the at the combined score of that series right now. The Yankees outscored them 10-11. They got out, yeah. The Dodgers were outscored over three games, sixteen to uh, sixteen to five. You know they had a bad series. Uh, I just I still don't really see the Yankees beating the Dodgers in the World Series. Um, I am not ready to commit to the Yankees going to the World Series. Period. Just because the Astros are that good and the A's are that good, because the A's swept the Yankees in Oakland. They the Yankees needed two walk off wins in the Bronx to to take that series. I think first of all, all right. Thank God, by the way, for both Red Sox and Yankee fans, that our teams do not have to play in the postseason. Oh, we would be sniping and murdering each other on the air. It's just nerve wracking. It is. It's nerve wracking. Yeah. Uh, There there was a recent advertisement that MLB put out for the playoffs. They called it a nine inning nervous breakdown. That's very accurate. And that's that, that is, is very if very you love accurate. The Red Sox, or if you love the Yankees, and the Yankees are playing the Red Sox, and it's the postseason, that's what it feels like. It feels like a, it feels like three hours of consistently ratcheting tension. It's it's delightful to feel because yeah. you know it's suspenseful in the way that we like to watch suspense movies and thriller movies, but it's also exhausting. It can it's stressful for diehard yeah. baseball fans. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I have no problem admitting when it when it comes to. Any of my teams, Yankees, Ravens, Rangers, Knicks, anytime they're in the playoffs on game day, I tell my wife, don't talk to me. So the Yankees so the Yankees are ninety five and fifty one. Right. Tied with the Astros for home field. Yes. As far as I'm concerned, if you're gonna beat the Astros, you gotta get home field. Yes. So assuming the Yankees get home field, they're gonna be they're gonna be facing the winner of Tampa Bay and Oakland. As of now, yes. The Yankees should be able to put pay to either one of those teams in four games, maximum. They should. They, and it, should being the key word. For there, there's something about Oakland Coliseum or Ricky Henderson Field, as it's being called now. Um, the Yankees just don't play well in Oakland. Maybe it's some. Maybe it's the clubhouse. Maybe it's the stadium. There's just something about that ballpark where they do not do well. Maybe it's the timing. You know, maybe they're. You know, maybe it's the West Coast. Yeah, but they took they three or four from the Angels earlier in the season. I don't. You know, I don't buy that. Maybe it's cold. It's it's the Bay. The weather isn't great. Yeah, but then yeah, but then they they went they went maybe and beat raining. the Mariners right afterward though. Right, but you know, well the Mariners you know play yeah they play outside. Anyways, be it as it may. The, the Yankees, assuming that the Yankees, the Yankees don't want Minnesota. I'm not too worried about Minnesota. Uh, I think I think that Minnesota. Do you, do you recall the last series that the Yankees? I recall played? that series very well, Paul E.D., <laughs> and I have no problem admitting. I think that the that the Yankees pitching when they went in there got a little cocky. They weren't expecting the Twins to be as good. They probably went, oh, they haven't they've they haven't played us yet, and they probably got a little cocky with the pitches. How many how many runs did the Twins score in that series? I'm not gonna like, get I'm not gonna about, pull it up and about, do the math. About thirty. So did the Yankees. Right. It's, so all I'm saying, but all I'm saying is, with a team that I would I would be less comfortable. Were I the Yankees facing a team that could slug with me than facing a team that I knew really couldn't? And neither Tampa Bay nor Oakland, I don't think, can go toe to toe to toe to toe with the Yankees in terms of in terms of not only slugging but scoring runs. 
I want that advantage in my back pocket, so I want home field. Yes. That's that's what I'm... I mean, I want home field regardless just because, I mean, we've talked about Bob Klappish and Paul Solotaroff's book, uh, Inside the Empire, several times on this show. Right. Um, and they make a very good point of saying how playing at Minute Maid Park in Houston is a chore. It's loud. <laughs> it's the only ballpark that still has a smoking section, so there's that week of cigarette smoke all around oh, the place. Amazing. So I think that... Be- that aside, though, this is a team that has Justin Verlander. They have Garrett Cole. They've got this great young hitter, Jordan Alvarez, who is my pick for AL Rookie of the Year right now. I think that... I don't think it matters. Either way, I think that if you, you don't want to go into Houston as the visiting team in the playoffs and have to and have to steal at least one of those games. I think, honestly, honestly you know, so I'm probably, you know, I'm probably betraying my Red Sox fandom here, but I think the Yankees are a lock for the, not a lock, but I think the Yankees are going to make the World Series. Knocking on the, on the wood right here. I, I think they are. I think they are because, honestly, you know, I, I, watched, I watched all the games last year when the Red Sox beat the Astros and you know, just waxed everybody in sight. It's not even that. It's just that these 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 high these vaunted pitchers, the Coles of the, the Verlanders, the Coles, you know, they they're only so good. Right. You know, and that's and they're not and it's and everyone is going to have trouble keeping a team that hits as well as the Yankees. If there off is the scoreboard. If there is one thing that gives me hope for the Yankees against the Astros in the playoffs. Um now remind me, did you watch the Sunday night game against the Dodgers? I did not. All right, it was Domingo Herman versus Clayton Kershaw. Kershaw had a really good game. Right. Uh, the Yankees won 5 to 1, but Kershaw, he was striking guys out, he was hitting his pitches. He made a couple mistakes, but therein lies the key to being Houston, I think. The Yankees didn't try to do too much against Kershaw. Right. They just let they just sat back, right. played their game and waited for him right. to make a mistake. Right. And I and you got to listen to DJ LeMahieu when you go play when you go go up against a guy like Verlander and DJ LeMahieu is going to take what take what the pitcher gives him. He's going to go the other way for a single. Right. You even know? even though the even though the Astros and their their weird obsession with spin rate, they rely a lot on perceived velocity. Right. So I think that now the Yankees, they took three or four against the Astros at Yankee Stadium this year. Yeah. So I think that now they didn't beat Verlander. No. But I think that if you can have that same approach to just, hey, these this guy's a really good pitcher. Keep the chain moving. Yeah, keep the approach. keep the chain moving, keep the line moving, just wait for them to make a mistake. Let right. the ball come to you. Don't go to the ball. Like picket fences, pile up runs, first inning, second inning, get one here, get one there. Before you know it, you've got six. And that's how you beat a team like the Astros. You're not going to do it in one inning. And the Yankees also, they, uh, we only got four minutes left, but we got to touch on this real fast. Who What's, well, what's the playoff roster going to look like? Because Hicks isn't there. Mike Talkman strained his calf. He's not going to be there. Brett Gardner is going to be your center fielder. Right. And so in left field, you're probably going to have either Stanton, Clint Frazier, or Cameron Mabin, maybe Tyler Wade. But on top of that, at the infield, you got, okay, first base, there's Luke Voigt. But he's just off the IL from a sports hernia. He's been kind of streaky, like he always is. Sure. And DJ LeMahieu, he's my pick for AL MVP. He can play multiple positions. Right. But then you got Gio Rochelle, who's been out of his mind this year. Right. Gleyber Torres, who is another dark horse MVP candidate. D. Gregorius, who, even though he's streaky at the plate, he gives you a lefty bat, and he's a great uh, hype guy. Right. So I wrote an article about this, even though he's, he's kind of getting his timing back still. I think what you got to do, and le- and tell me if I'm crazy. I think that for you, because you you and I talked about this, you got to have the guys who are there for, with you during the long haul. Well, I right. think I that's, think that's what I don't know. So do you know? Do you? I think you leave Luke Voigt off the playoff roster. Uh, I mean, can can he be a bench guy? <sighs> he can be a bench guy, but at whose expense? And isn't and isn't he a valuable guy to have off the bench? A he guy is. Like, oh, guy and like, and then there's Edwin Encarnacion to consider. Right. And Edwin Encarnacion, even though he's not going to get you a good batting average, he can mash the ball, and he can work great at bats. I looked this up the other day, Paul A.D. Edwin Encarnacion averages 4.3 pitches per at-bat. Luke Voigt averages less than four. That's that's less than than optimal. That's suboptimal. I think if you're looking at the lineup, you want to make sure that your one through six are stronger than, than who you're playing. Yes. By and large. You want to make sure that you have the best one through six because you have it. You have it on the you, 
you have it on your team, you want to make sure you bring that into the playoffs with you. So you want to declare that advantage. And as far as I mean, as far as pitchers go, I think you have to look at matchups. But like we talked about, Tanaka, Paxton, and Herman, I I think personally are your one, two, and three. I mean, you could swap Paxton and Tanaka. So it's a good problem to have, but what, but but it's also a very stressful problem to have. I think in terms of your lineup, I don't I don't think that. I, you could stick with who you came in with, or you could bring in, you know, you can bring in the reinforcements and let them play. Either way, I think this Yankees lineup is going to score runs in the postseason. I just, I just have that feeling. I think they're going to score runs, and I think they're going to be fine scoring runs. You just have to hold the oppo- the, the opposing team down, and that's, and that's what I would be concerned about if I were Aaron Boone. Yeah, it, it's. It's a very tough conversation to have. I would personally leave Void off the roster just because he strikes out a lot. He great bat to have in those late innings. You're down by one. Yeah, but who do you who do you bench? Right. Because like because I feel that if if you're gonna have him off the bench, you you need to run the risk of hey, are we going to have a playoff roster that does not feature a fourth outfielder? Right. And I think that's the only way you do it. And do you want to run that risk? I sure no. don't. No. Yeah. No. You don't. You can't. I don't think. I say. I say. Tell. Tell Voight. Hey, you know what? So who is it? So who is it? Gardner. So who's your outfield? Your outfield right now, as it stands. Now let's assume Stanton comes back and can play the outfield healthy. Your Gardner, Stanton, Frazier, and Maven. Um. Well, no, you got Judge in right field. Oh, right, right. Judge right. in right field. Gardner's in center, and then as in left field, left field, the options right now are Stanton, Clint Frazier, and Cameron Maven. And I think that even then, because Maven's wrist has been barking a little bit, I think... Clint Frazier's got to get left off. Yeah, just because he hasn't had enough at-bats going into it. And he's emotional, and you don't want that. Yeah, you know, plus plus he uh, he had some problems hitting the cutoff man yesterday. You don't want you don't want a guy who might get eaten up by the moment out there. That's fair. You know I, th- I, mean? I think that's you know very mean? valid, yes. And I, I'm not saying he's an over-emotional guy or anything like that. I'm just I'm just saying that he's young and he's at this point in his career he's pretty excitable so you don't you know I think what you, you I honestly think what you do you stick Stanton in left field you right. you roll the dice if you're gonna have Void on the roster you roll the dice on not having Maven or Frazier and in case someone gets hurt if let's say Stan gets hurt again you can just immediately add him like that and who are you DHing Encarnacion easily okay yeah unfortunately that's all the time we have for today Paul Ed oh, I know this was a great episode wasn't no, it, was it? Fun. this was a, a great episode we always have fun uh, recording here at the QED special thanks to the QED uh, Chris and uh, Kylie I believe her name is up top uh, special thanks to ESNY Elite Sports New York the voice the pulse of New York City sports and um, I'm excited for what the rest of the season holds we'll try to be back for you next week and we'll talk some more Yankees Red Sox maybe some Patriots as well and uh, Paulie D, uh, give them your social media info. Uh, at Paulie D says on Twitter. All right, you can find me on Twitter too at Josh B E S N Y. And you know what they always say, Paulie D. What's that, JB? You may be wrong, but for all I know, you may be right. See you soon, folks. <laughs>